0: Welcome to Inspire Churches Podcast. We're excited you're listening. Our hope is to inspire you to grow in God's Word, to grow more in love with Christ, and to go be a light wherever you are. To find more teachings or donate to the ministry, visit us at inspirechurches.com. I want to put maybe the last couple of weeks into perspective. Uh, Romans chapter 5, and last week, we, we, uh, Pastor Roger talked through Romans chapter 6 the early portion of it. I'm going to finish chapter six today. I kind of want to put those two chapters into perspective before we kind of jump in um, and talk about the duality that Paul is working through through both chapters. And what I mean by the duality, Paul is using twos, And so if you remember a couple of weeks ago in chapter 5, we talked about Adam and Christ. Paul talked about Adam and Christ. And then last week, Pastor Roger talked about life and death. And this week, Paul is going to talk about, and we're going to talk about this morning, uh, slave and master. And some of these are analogies, um, especially chapter 6, are analogies in in the way in which Paul is explaining sin. And here's another interesting uh, interesting part about Romans and Paul's letter. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> In the first five chapters, Paul is kind of going through the nuts and bolts of the gospel, kind of breaking down gospel theology, um, and then in chapters six and beyond, Paul's going to go from the nuts and bolts of gospel theology, and he's going to actually talk to talk about practicality. So, walking this thing out. So, theology is what we know about God, what we think about God. Then praxis is what we are practicing, or how that how that theology is affecting our behavior, and. What what you think will affect how you act. And so the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about how the gospel now is applied to our lives on a regular, practical, daily life basis. Amen? So just by way of kind of overview and review, in chapter 5, if you remember, Paul explains that all of us, every one of us in this room, in fact, all of humanity, we were born into sin. We were naturally born into sin. And if you remember, Paul, Paul explained, in Adam, we were all made sinners. But, Paul tells us, by faith, we can be born again. Amen? Amen. And so all of humanity is born naturally into sin because in Adam we all sin. But Paul says there's good news. By faith, we could be born again. We could be made new. By faith, we could be born again. So that in the same way that Adam made us all sinners, now Jesus Christ can make us righteous. Amen? So Paul concludes that thought by making probably kind of a controversial statement it's a true statement but it was controversial in verse 20 of chapter 5 when he says this where sin increased grace abounded all the more and all the sinners said amen (laughs) and that's all of us by the way Right? right like where sin increased guess what grace abounds all the more Now, I'm going to tell you why that's a controversial statement. And Pastor Roger did a wonderful job last week. Because the gospel of grace has its share of haters. Paul has his haters. People who hated, who objected, who didn't like this gospel of grace. And and you can kind of see why. And so in chapter 6, Paul addresses those haters. He addresses those that question this gospel of grace. And if you remember in verse 1... Some people feared that grace would inspire people to sin more, right? Because you hear that, like right? where, where 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 sin abound, grace abounds all the more. Where sin increases, so everyone's like, oh man, yes, <laughs> right? And so people feared that that was going to cause people just to sin more. But Paul says, absolutely not. In fact, in the Greek, there it's an emphatic, like no way, absolutely not. And this is what he tells us. Paul says, when you placed your faith in Jesus, guess what happened? You identified with his death. And that means you are what? Dead to sin. And so Paul says, how could someone be both alive and dead to something? And again, Roger did a masterful job last week, and I kept complimenting him on that last week, if you were here. And so if you want to go back to the podcast and check that out, it was amazing, and he broke that down. And last week, he, he, Paul concludes this thought with yet another controversial statement. It's almost like he's kind of, come on. Paul's a master. Um, he just loves to have conversation, but uh, he is great at um, uh, addressing objections. And so he finishes that idea... Last week, with yet another controversial statement in chapter 6, verse 14, he says this. You are not under the law, but under grace. And today, we jump into verse 15, and you don't have to go there just now. I have a long introduction here, so stay with me. There were those that believed and were concerned about that, but there were also those that took that idea of not being under law and under grace, and they thought to themselves, here's what they reasoned. Listen to this reasoning. If the law no longer governs the believer, and if grace covers all sin, then guess what? We're perfectly free to do whatever we want, baby. Like, we have no moral restraints. We can do whatever we want. And again, Paul responds, you're tripping. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Now, believe it or not, people actually taught this, and this false teaching was actually known by the church, and again, if you are a, a student and you love to take notes, you might want to write this down. This was actually taught, and this was a heresy known in the early church as antinomianism. Can you say that with me? Anti, nomianism. Perfect. Now, anti, we all know what that means, right? Anti means to be against and nomos in the greek means the law right so to be anti-nomos is to disregard completely the law of god i might date myself a little bit here has anybody ever purchased music from rasputin's (laughs) maybe back in the day it was like tower records and rasputin's (laughs) right okay so that's their new logo but there is another logo that you actually had rasputin who's like this really old dude So let me tell you where that name came from, okay? Where did Rasputin come from? Rasputin was a religious advisor in the late 19th century and early 20th century to the ruling Romanov family in Russia. Now, listen, he was a religious advisor to them, and he believed that the more we sin, the more we give God an opportunity to display his grace. He literally taught that if you are an ordinary sinner, you're just not doing it right. He taught this. He taught if you are an ordinary sinner, you are not giving God a chance to show his glory. So you need to become an extraordinary sinner. Now, some of you are laughing, but in time, you're like, oh, okay, yes. <laughs> now, for the most part, I hope, most of us in this room are probably thinking to ourselves, man, that, what an absurd idea. Like, nobody thinks like that anymore. But the thing about ancient heresies, and I want you to remember this, Ancient heresies love to repackage and recycle themselves and then recirculate in the church over and over again. That's why theology and the doctrine and these men that we'll be celebrating in the next couple of months are so important because they took the scriptures and they were able to break down doctrine for our living so that we would not go astray. Heresies, I want you to remember this. They love to repackage themselves and recycle themselves, not just outside, We're talking about in the church. In the church. Are you with me? And if we're not watchful, we can actually become more antinomian than we think. If you've ever reasoned, I can sin because God will just forgive me, you're thinking antinomian. If you've ever called obedience to God's word religious i've heard this believe it or not how about this have you ever called obedience to god's word old fashioned then you're talking antinomian right premarital sex everybody's doing it living together before we're married drunkenness right come on don't be religious Right? Have you ever been called religious because you obeyed the word of the Lord? Has someone ever said, well, that's old school or that's old-fashioned or stop being legalistic? It's not legalism when you are obedient to the word of God. Paul says, Paul says, we have. Di- how could we who have died to sin continue to live in it? If you've done those things, and we've all been there, you're thinking, you're talking antinomian. How about this? If you call yourself a follower of Christ because you raised your hand one day and responded to an altar call, you repeated a prayer, right? We call it the sinner's prayer. Or you filled out a card and you checked, saved on a box, right? Yet, and this is going to be big, you still persist in ongoing patterns of habitual sin. You're being antinomian. Can I just say this real quick? The idols of our culture, can we just identify the idols of our culture right now? Success. It's an idol of our culture. That, that is something that we bow our knee to and we willingly sacrifice our righteousness to, 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 to pursue success. Power. How about this? Notoriety. We want to be known. We want to be loved. We wa- Some of you want to be loved in here. Some of you just want to be respected and feared. Right? And we do that through social media. In fact, Instagram did a great experiment. They stopped counting their likes. Like that's notoriety. You want to post and you want those posts to be liked. You want to be known. And what are you willing to post to get the like? Idols of our culture. Money. How about that? Money. Willing to cut, to cheat. Tax season is coming. Willing to do that. Right, We're willing to disregard a particular portion of our faith so that we can somehow get a little bit ahead. Are you with me? Money, power, notoriety, success, and sex. In fact, to be a church in this culture today that believes in abstaining from sex until marriage right, is to be a church that's being obedient to the Scriptures. But yet, we have many who struggle with this idea who compromise in that area more oftentimes than not so how do we deal with this tension because we're all sinners in this room amen right no one can sit in one of these and be like well none of that affects me you know none of those idols touch me pastor phil you well then you're a liar so you're a sinner as well right so let's just get this out of the way like it all affects all of us in this room so how do we deal with this tension and so this is what Paul is saying. This theology that is so beautifully unraveled in the first five chapters, how do we, how do we live, live that out? And usually we say, take notes of this, like write this down. Here's what I want you to do. Write this on your heart. Are you ready? Write this next thing on your heart. God loves to justify sinners, but he will not and cannot justify sin. If you want to know what God truly feels about sin look no further than the horrific, gruesome cross. If you want to know how offensive sin is to God, look at the gruesome, bloody, horrific picture of Christ's cross. God loves to justify sinners, but he will not and cannot justify sin. Now, today's going to be tough. And I'm going to pray now because I can fill it. And we're going to fill it together. I'm going to be, able, but I'm with you. I'm in this with you. I'm not trying to preach as one who's overcome. And so can we pray together? And Prayer warriors, can you pray with me in this room so that there is, I don't know, a level of comfort and grace, but there's also conviction. Amen? Can we pray together and can we just all embrace the scriptures as one body and one church? Heavenly Father, I need you. We need you. We can be so uncomfortable with the mirror because the mirror reveals all of our faults. So I pray that you would give us grace, Holy Spirit, to look in the mirror and even to see faults. But I pray also you would convict us of our sin, Lord, not out of fear, but out of sheer love. The love of Christ would convict us and bring us. And so, Lord, we love you. We honor you. We ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. Let's get into Romans chapter 6, verse 15. If you have your Bibles or your apps, I would love for you to go there with me. If not, it definitely will be on the screen. But if you have it with you, I'd love for you to pull it up. Romans chapter 6, verse 15. Amen. Are you ready? All right. Smile. Amen. Here we go. The Apostle Paul says this, what then? I like that, like what? <laughs> that's, at least that's how I saw it in my head. That's not how he did though. He says, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Heck nah to the nah, nah, nah. Nah. Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you're slaves of the one whom you obey? either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient, I love this, from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. In other words, Paul says, you know, I'm giving you a spiritual analogy using a, a human reality here of slave and master. And he continues, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? Paul's almost saying, how'd that do for you? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, come on, eternal life. And then here's that famous line that we all know. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. I don't feel like I have to preach. I feel like that word right there is heavy. To summarize these verses, Paul basically tells us there are two masters and two forms of slavery with two very different end results two masters with two forms of slavery with two very different results. And so let's talk about that. Two masters. You'll either serve God or you'll serve sin, but you cannot serve both. You see, the truth is everyone serves a master. We're either controlled by our appetite or desire to sin or our obedience to Christ. As a result, Self-mastery or the idea that we have total control of our lives really is an illusion. Do you know that? It's a lie from Satan as old as the Garden of Eden. Pastor Roger and I were talking about this. Do you remember what Satan told Eve in the temptation? I have it for you. Verse 3, 15. Satan says, when you eat of it, and he's referring to the fruit of the tree in which God said, do not eat. Satan is telling Eve, when you eat of it, listen, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now watch. In the garden, mankind was tempted with self-mastery. You will be God. You will determine your own destiny. You will determine your own fate. You will decide what is good for you. Like, I'm going to do me. I know what's good for me. You will decide what's good for you, and you will decide what is wrong. You will discern what is evil, and you will discern what is good. And you ready? Here's the lie. Here's the lie. Here's the lie. This is what Satan is saying. Break free from being a slave to God and become your own master. You see the lie there? Become your own master. Well, there's no such thing as your own master. Listen to this. What Adam and Eve thought was freedom was just another form of bondage. Slavery to sin. You see that? There's like a master exchange. Satan is not trying to get them to to exchange God's mastery for self-mastery. He's trying to get them to exchange God's mastery for the mastery of sin. And if you really think about it, Any bondage to sin is just another form of slavery to the will of Satan himself. Two masters, God or sin. So then, what is true freedom? And again, Roger did an amazing job, and we're going to kind of overlap. But what is true freedom? True freedom is in the fact that we are free to submit ourselves to one of two masters. And under each master, a different form of slavery is required. Wow. And so the truth is, our slavery is voluntary. Now, that idea kind of feels weird, right? Like, voluntary slavery, that doesn't make sense. And it, those of us, especially in America, when we think of slavery, it was not voluntary at all. It was horrific. It was terrible. And so we can't fathom voluntary slavery. But Actually, in ancient Rome, it was more common than you think. You see, people willfully gave themselves away to slavery. Now, you ask, well, why in the world would someone do that? Well, if they owed too large of a debt to somebody and they could not pay it back, they would bring themselves into slavery, right? Or for some way they couldn't provide financially for themselves or for their family, slavery would be the better option, especially if they were enslaved to a benevolent master, So Paul draws from this reality to make a point. You ready for it? here's the point. It's so commonsensical. Paul says, Whoever you obey is your master. Right? It just reminds you, people like, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, you know, but whoever you obey is your master. How you live your life, your lifestyle, how you live your life demonstrates to the world who you serve. Another way we can say it. Another way we can say it is like this: How you serve reveals who you serve. So the question becomes this morning for all of us and for me. Okay, as I was reading through this text this week, it was a hard preparation for me this week. I just want to be honest. I was asking myself these things. The Lord was. You can ask my wife. It was up very late, last minute, trying to get this finish because it was just heavy. So the question becomes: Are you ready? How are you serving? Or another way we could say this, what are you submitting yourself to regularly? Now, again, we're going to overlap a little bit, but there are two Greek words from chapter 16 that I think will help us answer these questions. Two Greek words. Epimeno. Can you say that? Epimeno. Good job. And tupos. Can you say tupos? epimeno and tupos. Well, let me put it like this. Number one, are you epimeno to sin? Or number two, are you tupos to the scriptures? And so let's break that down. And this is going to be kind of a form of self-evaluation, okay? So we're going to take some time to do some self-evaluation together, some self-discovery. And I want you to know this is a good thing because this is the way the Lord reveals things in your life that you need to just depend on him or repent of and believe the gospel so here's the first question are you epimeno to sin you're like well i, I don't know <laughs> what does that mean at least that's what i would think well way way back in ch- verse two of chapter six paul asked the question are we to epimeno to sin are we to continue would be the english translation into sin Now, epimeno refers to, are you ready? This is so important, a willful persistence or a permanent residence in something. You live there. It's your permanent place of residence, right? It's a commitment to an ongoing impurity that disregards God's law in your own personal life. Paul would say, if you live in a habitual Pattern of sin, patterns of sin, with little to no change, then you have yet to truly trust in Jesus. He would say that the reality is, is if you find yourself over and over again residing in, living in, desiring sin, then he says, I don't question this, I question who your master is. And here's a here's a key. A lot of us we go to church, we leave church, we're very religious in our thought processes, and we think that in order to change, we need to change our behavior. I need to just stop doing this. Like I need to white knuckle it, right? I I've shared this with you. I used to battle with pornography. I remember, you have all the covenant eyes. Anybody ever have covenant eyes? You download this app with your friends, right? This is going to be kind of kind of weird, right? But if you look at something off, your friend gets the email. it's like, you know, hey, so-and-so's been looking at, you know, this, right? And so it's shame, right? Like, you don't want to look at something and, right? But after a while, you know how to disable it, right? You know how to get around it. The reality is those are great tools, but they only change behavior. They don't change heart. And so if you want to change behavior, you don't change behavior. You look at who you're serving. You change masters. Are you with me on this? Okay. Seatbelts, probably the whole time. You're like, yeah, that thing's been on the whole time. There are too many people who want Jesus as Savior, but don't want him as Lord. And the truth is, if he's not Lord, then he won't save. If he's not Lord, he won't save. Can, Can I just make a quick observation here? Um... Just so you know, sin is cruel. It's not a very good master. Sin is a tyrannical, cruel master. That, you know, and the thing about sin is it makes us think we're in control, doesn't it? When in reality, it's only controlling us. There's a story about a man who lived in New York who was found dead in his apartment. When the police entered in, next to his body was a 500-pound tiger that had mauled him to death. And here's the crazy part. As they investigated, nobody knew he had it. Right? The investigation claimed that the man had the tiger since he was a cub. Nobody knew he had it. And he never gave it away because he loved it too much and couldn't let it go. Man, sin is like that wild beast, isn't it? It starts off small, containable, and it makes you think that you can enjoy it and control it until one day it grows too large and it eats you alive. And despite what your flesh might crave, sin will beat you over and over again into submission, make you its slave until it kills you. Paul says, lawless leads to more lawlessness. Sin leads to more sin. Isn't, doesn't it compound? You start one lie, and then you got a lie to protect that lie, and then you're living a whole life of lies, and then you, God saves you, and you're stuck. That's what was me just trying to unravel. Who am I? Lawlessness leads to more lawlessness. Are you epimeno? Are you living, residing in, continuing in? Sin. next question Paul would say, "Or are you two posts to scripture? Are you two posts to scripture? In verse 17, Paul tells us that a servant of Christ has become obedient from the heart. And here it is, to the two posts or to the standard of teaching. Two posts, standard of teaching. What does that mean? Let me share this. This is going to be so important. Obedience flows out of truth. Truth comes first and then obedience. Are you with me? Obedience flows out of truth if it's going to be from the heart. Just like lawlessness leads to more lawlessness, so truth leads to more truth leads to greater obedience. This means that our submission to the lordship of Christ will only become permanent when it flows out of a genuine Love and deep desire for the scriptures. Are you with me? I'm going to say that again. Where's my my crowd here? Say it again, Pastor. (laughs) I'm used to hearing that. This means that our submission to the Lordship of Christ will only be permanent when it flows out of a genuine love and deep desire for the scriptures, the Bible. Can I say, this is why Inspire exists. This is why we planted this church. This is why you're here. This is discipleship. We exist. We exist as a church to inspire gospel-centered discipleship everywhere we go. This is why Inspire exists. This is why I hope that you're here. This is discipleship. This is two posts. It means, what does two posts mean? It means to be conformed. It means to be shaped. It means to be, in, I think the best word is molded into the imprint or likeness of something else. Amen. This is so critical. You ready? Holy habits. Holy habits. Or you can also call these spiritual disciplines. You know, they don't save us. But they are tools of grace working to tupo us into the image of Christ. Conform us, mold us, build us, and shape us into the image of Christ. They don't save us, holy habits and spiritual disciplines. They don't save us, but they are used to build us to look more like Jesus. And that is the goal of Christianity. That is the goal of this church. So that you will look more like Christ holy habits. I want you to listen to this. It's inevitable. We'll look like who we serve. We'll look like who we serve. And this needs to be said. Are you ready? This needs to be said. Here it is. Devotion is a holy habit. Prayer is a holy habit. You ready for this one? Church attendance is a holy habit. Church attendance is a holy habit. I will. So, I'm like, well, that's legalistic. You're just trying to get people to show up. No, 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 no. Coming together regularly as a body to lift up the name of Jesus, participate in the sacraments, listen to the word, to love one another, challenge one another, rebuke one another together as a body regularly for the purpose of edification is a needed holy habit. And if it's not a holy habit, you're in danger. You are more than in danger. Small group participation is a holy habit. Why? Why is that a holy habit? Because when we gather in small groups, we gather together around the word of God for the purpose of two posts. I don't know who you want to look like, but I want to look like Jesus. And if that's the case, then I want to place myself in spaces that are going to mold me into that image. Let it cut a little bit, y'all. Just let it, let it cut. It hurts good, I promise. I promise. These habits cultivated under the power of the Holy Spirit, motivated by desire, break us free from sin. Can I say that again? These habits submitted under the power of the Holy Spirit, cultivated by a desire from the heart, breaks the tyranny of sin. Amen. And listen, and when we do fail, because y'all fail, I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail you. And when we do fail, and when we do fail, and when we do sin because we sin, because we are in this flesh, and we do not permanently reside there, though. Are you with me? When we do fail, because we will all fail, and when we do sin because we are in this ugly flesh, we will not what? Permanently epimeno. We will not reside in it, live in it, desire it. Roger said an amazing thing last week. Three things you know that the Spirit of God is working inside of you. Your affections towards sin have changed. You used to love it and desire it. Now you don't want nothing to do with it. How about this? Not just your affections, but your awareness, right? You just used to not know. I didn't know that was a sin. I used to just do whatever. But then you started to become more aware of not just what sin is, but what your sin is doing to you, your children, your spouse. You became aware. And then the last A was your ability changed because when you were alive to sin, you had no power over it. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit moving in you, tupos, conforming you. Loving the Lord, loving Jesus, all of a sudden you've been empowered to say no because how could somebody who's dead to something be alive to it? Are you with me? Y'all are doing great. Now, I know, I know some of my people, there's people in here like Paul, they had their concerns, their objections we don't permanently reside in sin. We repent and we believe the gospel again. Why? Because the church said so? Well, I just do this because I said yes to a membership, and if I don't do it, you know, they're gonna, right? Or I just do these things. You know, I go to church on Sundays, or I do these things because, you know, I'm on leadership team, or I do these because I hope the pastors see me, or reputation. I hope I get more power, more notoriety, right? We bring that into the church, right why do I do these things I just do these things those aren't holy habits cultivated under desire somebody like well this hasn't been working because you have been doing it under the wrong motivation wow. well I just don't want to look bad if I don't show up and you know, I have this reputation like I've been going to church I like, stopped showing up, someone's gonna call me right you ever got that somebody's get a little annoyed by that right you've missed a couple of weeks in a row and that brother you know sister whatever is like, hey how are you I't seen you right like you're like what's that supposed to mean Right, We get so sensitive, right? We don't come back. No, I get it. I get it. There are some really jerks in the church. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's some jerks in the church. Just like, hey, man, have a little sensitivity. Understand, like somebody was sick for a couple of weeks. Did you call? I mean, you know what I mean? But the truth is, let's be honest. Some of you are really sensitive. And the truth is you need somebody to check in on you because, yes, that's why we need the body of Christ. It happens. That's why like... <laughs> So funny because I have this thing when I see people on Saturdays, right? And you guys know some of you I hung out with you. We, I see you on Saturdays, we high everyone's getting ready to leave. I will never say, See you tomorrow as a pastor. I just don't. Because I just don't want the conviction on you. Like, you know, some people are like, All right, so get ready to go. I'll right, we'll talk to you later. You know what I mean? Because like, if I were like, Hey, see you tomorrow, it means there's church and then that's the pastor and then what do you got to do? You know what I mean? So I just don't do it. I just don't do it. I'm not going to be a jerk. Right. And if somebody does, they're not jerking. I'm just, this is all an analogy. I'm just saying. Our human limitations, as Paul would say. But why, 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 why do we do this? Why? Why do we do these things? Because the church said so? Because we have to in order to maintain a certain status? No, no, we do it because our master is worthy. Jesus is worthy and he's beautiful and he's glorious and if there's a way that I can even just a little bit look more like him if there's a way that I can get closer to him is there, if there's a way that I could feel him if there's a way that I can hear him talk to me he is beautiful glorious and good and righteous and let me just say this if I'm going to serve any master I'm going to serve the one who would give himself for me That's a master I can trust. That's a master I can love. That's a master that I can put my life into. If I'm going to serve any master, I'm not going to serve the master that would show me one face and kill me with the other. I'm going to serve a master who died for me first. He loved us first. (laughs) He doesn't ask you to do anything for him that he hasn't already done for you. Why? Because he's worthy. The purpose of grace, listen, the purpose of grace is not to free me to sin, but to free me from sin. The truth is, true freedom lies in slavery. When we are enslaved to Christ, we are freed from the bondage of sin. Two masters, two kinds of slavery, and finally, two very different end results. I don't invite the team to quickly come up. Two masters, two kinds of slavery, and two very different results. We're coming to a finish here. I want you to hear me out here. These are are so important. I want you to just try to grasp this with your mind. Unbelievers who are slaves to sin, did you know they're free too? There's actually two different types of freedom. Unbelievers who are enslaved to sin, did you know they're free as well? Christians aren't the only ones that are free. Unbelievers are free. It's just that they are free from righteousness. What does that mean? They have, they're free. They're free from the, they have no desire, no compelling drive to look like Jesus because he's not their master. They're free. They're free from that. They're free from that desire, that drive to look like Jesus because He's not their master. He's not beautiful and glorious to them. And so they're a slave to sin, but they're free from righteousness. On the other hand, believers who are slaves to righteousness are free from sin. They have no desire, no compelling drive to reside in sin. Because Jesus is their master. Amen. And in the end, slavery to sin leads to death. But slavery to Christ leads to eternal life. So we're left with two options. Die now and live forever. Or live now and die. I'm going to finish. I'm going to just kind of sing a worship song and then we'll pray I'm going to finish with this George Matherson he was the beloved blind preacher of Scotland that's what they called him he actually wrote a hymn and the hymn was called ready for this make me a captive Lord then an American composer got a hold of that hymn his name was George Hustard and he wrote the music for that hymn and you know what he called the music? Paradoxy why do we call it paradoxy? Because the paradox expressed in the hymn What's the paradox? Make me a captive, Lord. Captivity and freedom. How can they be the same? It's a paradox. Now I want to read to you an excerpt from that hymn, and then I want us to worship. And then I'm going to come up and we're going to pray and we'll be dismissed. But please listen to this a few lines of this hymn: "Make me a captive, Lord, and then shall I be free." "'Force me to render up my sword, and I shall conquer be. "'My heart is weak and poor until it master find. "'It cannot rely, move till thou has wrought its chain. "'Enslave it with thy matchless love, and deathless it shall reign. "'My power is faint and low till I have learned to serve. "'It cannot drive the world until itself be driven.'" My will is not my own till thou hast made it thine. If it would reach a monarch's throne, it must its crown resign. My will is not my own till thou hast made it thine. If it would reach a monarch's throne, it must its crown resign. If you want to be free from sin today, You don't need to change your form of slavery you need to change your master and we exchange masters when the love of christ means more to us than our own pleasure when we realize which master has loved us first and given himself up for us and which master only seeks to kill steal and destroy let's worship and as we worship will you focus on the master who loves so well jesus christ If we can, team, if we could put up the questions for this week that we will be discussing um, at our connects, I'd love for you just to kind of throw these questions at you now so that you can take them with you and dwell on them. Um, If we could post them up there, that would be great. The first question is this, when God remakes us and remolds us, he does so in the mold of his word. What mold do you mostly reflect? The mold of his word or the mold of this world? What are some areas in your life where you reflect the mold of his word? And what are some areas in your life where you more reflect the mold of this world? And the second question is this. In what ways in your life have you seen sin become a trap that leads to even more sin? And finally, in what ways in your life have you seen righteousness lead to even more righteousness? I know these are deep, penetrating questions, um, but we love to be molded into the image and likeness of Christ in our small groups together. Let's pray. Every head bowed. If there's anyone in this room who feels far from God, if you feel like maybe you profess Christianity with your mouth, but your heart, your actions, your behaviors, you feel like you're residing in sin, that you have a love for this world more than the love for Christ. And you might be asking, I don't, I don't know how to change and transform. I want you to know that's good. You don't, you're not supposed to do it yourself. I want you to know that the goal for you is not to change any forms of behavior, but to change your heart. To look at Jesus and love him more than pleasure. To love him more than life itself. And so I would just invite you to first repent. What does it mean to repent? Repent means to expose your dark deeds into the light. Just come before the Lord. Even if you have to meet up with a good Christian brother that you know and trust. And you say, man, I need to bring this to light. light. Like, I haven't been living. I've been living in and residing in this. Repent. And believe the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel says that you are a sinner deserving God's wrath. But Christ came and took the wrath of God upon himself for you. So that he would take your wrath as if he had your sin. And he would give you his righteousness as if you had lived his perfect life. Now that right there must compel you to love him, worship, and adore him. And it's from that adoration that your life begins to transform and change. Thank you for joining us for this week's Inspired Churches podcast. Don't forget to share or subscribe to join us every Sunday. You can keep up with Inspired Churches through Instagram at Inspired Churches or on Facebook at slash Inspired Churches. To support the ministry, you can click on the link in the description or visit us at inspirechurches.com for more information.